Welcome, this audio experience is designed to teach private practice owners how to transform their focus, grow their business, and maximize profits. Now, introducing your host, founder and CEO of the Scheduling Institute, Jay Geyer. Welcome. So we'll get started. So we are talking about, you know, it's interesting over the years, the work we've done and, and the things we've learned. So this podcast is, as it said, directed at giving you a formula to grow your practice. And believe it or not, uh, there is one and we've discovered it. It's kind of like the fountain of youth, I guess you would say. And so many doctors struggle with complexity around how to grow their practice. And, and actually what we want to begin today by talking about is some of why that occurs. So in this podcast, we'll be walking you through how specifically to do it. But I think it's important to start with some observations of the profession itself and why even how many of your associations have developed a trap that forces you to spend your time on things that will not grow your practice or they will grow them to a pretty predictable insufficient spot and why most doctors will actually be able to outspend the money that comes from their practice. And so what we'll do is we'll dive into this and, and I suggest that this podcast is designed primarily for three different people. Number one, a doctor. And our specialty is working with doctors who actually would like to grow their practice. And so when we say that, it's important you realize that some doctors, particularly those that have become essentially W-2 employees, do not have the control to grow their practice. So this podcast is not designed for those people. This podcast is designed for what we call the private practitioner. This is the doctor, typically what we would call an owner doctor or an aspiring owner doctor. So if you are an associate who aspires to be an owner doctor, this would be helpful for you to build your confidence. And we also think it is a valuable podcast for the spouse or primary supporting person of that doctor. And the reason I say that is that over the years of literally working with thousands of doctors, what I have noticed is that in many cases, the spouse is brought into the practice for a variety of reasons. And the spouses really do not have a great educational foundation they are just good people trying to help out, and sometimes they do the wrong thing. But they're not bad people. So this would be a tremendous, if I was a doctor and I wanted to grow my practice, and I wanted to have the support of the team around me, most likely, and in many cases, that team involves a spouse, partner, so your spouse, 
a business partner, if you have a business partner, would also, so if you're listening to this and you have a partner, I suggest that you put your partner on the podcast. And then lastly would be what we would call the office manager or chief uh, head. You know, some people, sophisticated offices, we may call them the chief operating officer. Most offices would refer to them as the office manager. So when you look at the support system around most small, independently owned practitioners, those are essentially the key people. We are not going to be focusing on we have massive amounts of programs that are focused on the team, which over time we'll share with you. But this podcast is designed for, again, the owner doctor. And, you know, if you are that person, it is, you know, it is a lonely position to be the head of any organization. And so I, I really encourage if you really would like to grow the practice, then what you've got to do is you've got to also realize that these other people that I just mentioned, a partner doctor, a spouse who works in the practice, and an office manager, all have very limited access to information. And so what I had learned over the years of uh, building practices that have sold for large multiples and have created large sums of recurring revenue with doctors who eventually retire from clinical work is that these people around you are actually some of the most influential to your actual behavior. And you have actually entrusted much of the decision-making about the practice into their hands. And the truth is when we analyze the amount of training they have, the experience they have, you could almost predict that the practice isn't going to grow. So let's talk a little bit about how we're going to map this out. And when you think about uh, simplicity, you know, usually where the need for simplicity is, is when complexity has occurred. So we'll talk a little bit about the traditional practice. We're going to talk a little bit about how the uh, industry itself, uh, you know, what I had identified is basically that if you take a typical path of any doctor, the path is not a path to understanding growth. In other words, many people will actually decide their profession. They will go and get themselves in debt, certainly today, with, a, with an education and their training and their um, post-license uh, education or continuing education. As a matter of fact, all licensure requires continuing education at different levels. And we've identified this as the CE trap. In other words, there's actually a trap built in for any young doctor to be quite confused about what is important. And the actual path for most doctors is that they will think that continuing education is the path to prosperity. Now, I wanna make this very clear. If you were a doctor you want to be clinically competent, and we'll address that, but this is about how to grow the business. And, it, and first of all, you have to understand that if, if you think of it just as a practice, many practitioners don't actually think of it as a business. They think of it as, they use the word practice, and they like to personalize it, which is part of the problem. So when, when we really think about it, we want you to realize that if you own a practice 
it actually is a business. So in other words, usually it's incorporated, usually it has employees, usually it has to buy equipment, it has an office space and so on. So it is a business, if you believe it or not. And the primary purpose of a business is to make a profit. Now, a lot of people get very confused. And if you think about the oath that many doctors take, which is to serve the patient, right? I wanna make sure you understand this. I'm gonna concentrate on the business side, but I want you to understand that I'm not suggesting clinical competency isn't important. But what we've identified through what we call this continuing education trap is that your entire education, your, uh, your primary focus, if you will, particularly in the early years and in much of the, the, if it's an internship, a residency, is about being good clinically. As a matter of fact, almost when, when surveyed, many young or aspiring dentists, doctors, plastic surgeons, actually sort of have in their mind that they will be industry transformers. And what I mean by that is that it's actually, that's probably giving them way too much. Let me back that up a little bit. They actually think that they're going to be a better doctor than all of their peers. So when, when surveyed, most doctors who are not or are on the way to becoming a doctor have in their mind that they're going to be better than every doctor that went before them. And if you actually think about that, it's a very interesting mindset and usually it is absolutely founded in the fact that they have never dealt with patients and staff and bills and all kinds of things. And so imagine what, what it's like uh, to spend years of your life and to be pursuing a clinical competency, which is absolutely necessary and needed, and then to get out in the marketplace only to discover that the marketplace actually does not look at doctors the same way. So on many occasions in our company, we had actually sent out people to interview random human beings at a shopping mall about how they did due diligence on their doctors. And so we asked them a series of questions. And I had videotaped this for my clients so that they would learn this lesson. And we asked them about when they chose their doctors, why and how they chose them, we asked them if they verified their credentials. We asked them if they were aware of the amount of continuing education they had or hadn't taken. And a whole series of questions that were pertinent to what you will find most doctors pursuing excellence in. And what we found was all, it was, the videos were all so funny that the people all sort of hesitated and they realized, they were like, well, maybe I should be doing that, but I've never done that. And then when we went and said, well, what are the things that are important to you? Almost all of the things, they actually assumed that if you had a MD or whatever kind of doctor you were, DDS, whatever kind of doctor you were, they assumed you were good.
So in other words, and many studies have been done about that, about how people don't credential people. They just give them credit if they're in the right uniform. And it was interesting that when we went on to say, well, what are the things that you really want? Almost all of the things that they responded with revolved around convenience, comfort, speed, and ease of doing business. So it was quite interesting actually, and, and most doctors, and probably including you or aspiring doctors, have been done very little research in what the customer is actually most interested in. So in laying the foundation for growing the practice, it's very important that you study the path of most doctors. And so the path of most doctors is to spend countless years on honing their craft with the idea that if they're good at the craft or if they have the right kind of equipment that somehow that is going to be the magic antidote, like a magnet to attract high paying patients into their practice. And what I'm here to tell you is that is actually not how it works. Now, I know some of you who are more seasoned have already come to this conclusion and you are saying, Jay, let's just get on to how I grow the practice. And the reason I'm not doing that is because I would tell you from my experience that knowing something, right? So knowing something and then actually changing it into your favor is a different situation. So many of you who have actually maybe come to this conclusion, if I were to study where you were spending your time, I would, I'm not a betting person, but if I was, I would bet that the evidence around your calendar and your time suggests that you continue to spend time in those pursuits and those expenses, even though you may have come to the conclusion. So the purpose of this podcast is not just to give you information that you're not going to use. It is actually to walk you through the transformation of your focus to what will grow your practice. There is a dirty little secret that is poisoning the water in 97% of practices nationwide today. It could be robbing you of new patients and stunting your potential income growth. Go to fivestarchallenge.com today to reveal this secret and how it impacts your practice and your bottom line. The other thing I will bring up is this, is that in most professions, so as an example in, in dentistry, I don't, I'm not looking at the charts of when exactly this happened, so sorry, I don't have the date, but within many doctors' lifetime, at one point, advertising was illegal. So the barrier to entry is so large to becoming a doctor. And historically, what we had is a form of a monopoly, which was that business people couldn't come into the profession, so doctors were protected. And actually, saying you were better than someone is still not okay. And, and so it's interesting. So imagine the young student convinced that they're going to be better than someone, but then coming out only to learn that their boards do not allow them to say they're better than anyone. <laughs> I mean, isn't that interesting? So imagine 
well, wait a minute, I can't run an ad that says I'm better for something? And then inside of many doctors' lifetimes, advertising was illegal for some professions because they wanted to restrict advertising. So essentially to allow for what might, again, it's a protected environment. So I think the history of that is very important. And what we have to understand is we're going through a disruptive period. And if you look at the medical profession, right, that has been through the process of businesses coming in, literally buying them out, putting them on as W-2 employees, and controlling the pay sources and controlling the doctors. It's the commoditization of their profession. And so that's why you find high levels of retirement, high levels of, you know, doing what I do. When, when I go to a medical doctor and they discover what I do, usually what will follow that is a long revealing of complaining, which is to tell me how how they can't make any changes, right? And how sort of in a box they are. And what we're here to do is to not encourage that box, but to get you to look at it in a different way. And so most medical doctors that I have worked with, but just just as a side note, have greater hindrances around them for a multitude of reasons, which could span anything from ego, to their industry, to their perception, you know. But the truth is, it's mostly about the fact that they don't have exposure to what they really should learn, and they don't want to be on the cutting edge of transformation or creativity. They would prefer to let change be forced upon them. So this is a change by choice situation. My desire for all people is, you know, when we, we coach clients to go through this transformation, it's actually learning, you know, disruption is the process of people disrupting your businesses. And business people are disrupting medical doctors and dentists and uh, plastic surgeons and optometrists and chiropractors. Business people are disrupting their world. And the ones that change by choice can join in, grow their practices, employ other doctors, and the others will simply have the change forced upon them in what will be a negative arrangement. So if you, as you go through that and you think about it, and then if you actually, so I've studied what comes from associations, and almost all of the information from associations is about the importance of continuing education. Associations are, and boards and whatnot, are driven and revenue is created through continuing education. And they're monitoring and policing of that. And so fundamentally, if you wanna grow a practice, almost none of the information that you will get from the traditional sources can actually grow the practices. So for instance, in our company, we do not provide continuing education. I made that, that decision many years ago. And people said, well, you're never gonna get doctors to listen to you if you don't provide continuing education. 
Well, when I read the rules about continuing education, basically I would have had to muzzle what I needed to tell. I would have had to put a governor on what I needed to tell you, and therefore my work would not be as effective. So I know how to take a very small practice and take it as large as the doctor wants to. I know how to do it in reasonable time periods. There are formulas for all of it that I've developed over 30 years. And we have the biggest laboratory, one of the biggest laboratories in the world, particularly around dentistry, that, and working with every single type of team member, developing new capacities that doctors never have. And there is a formula. So we're gonna begin to talk about that formula. And what we will do in this podcast is we will come in and we will take it in sections over time. And we're, so let's go through how this works. So the first thing is to understand that when this information is received in the ears of a typical doctor, they are gonna have a hard time with it because of everything I just said. They have built up a bank of excuses. They have built up all the reasons why it can't be done. Many times they have told their team this and their staff this, and they themselves are convinced. So the truth about why most doctors don't grow or grow to a, a certain point and then have a bottleneck is that they're busy treating patients, everything is complex, and they don't see the path to get out of it. Now, a lot of that revolves around, and let me just walk you through. So think about this. A young doctor goes out, gets their license. Let me use a dentist as an example. And I want, to, I want you to capture this. It's called copying the wrong person. You know, I think it is, uh, mm, let me see if I can get you to understand this. So when you look, for instance, at a typical startup dental practice, what you will do is you'll find a person in a, a medical practice is you'll find a person with a limited budget, probably in debt, and they will go and they will secure a physical facility. And so as I have seen many young doctors start out and they will go and they will rent an office that is something like, a thousand to maybe 2000 square feet and they will enter into a five or a 10 year lease. And that room will have maybe four treatment rooms in it. And they will have committed to a five to 10 year period of time in that. And they did that because of money, right? So now, so the first box that's been created is okay. Well, I could be in this box for 10 years. And a lot of people aren't thinking, wow, I'm gonna start a business and I gotta be willing, and you're gonna see this in, when we talk about the, what we call the big five. The big five is, actually, let me come back to that example. But what I mean by growing to a predictable point, and it's the same thing with your schedule. If there are only so many hours, excuse me, there are only so many days in a week, there are only so many hours in a day. Once they're all full, you're full. You're at capacity. So what almost everyone doesn't understand is in anything, if you get to capacity, all of a sudden you have what you don't wanna have. I learned that very early on when I got in the business of helping clients and 
I somehow knew I needed to be very careful about not just sell. See, what you're doing is selling all your time. And it may make you feel good and you'll be busy, but actually there's a limit that is created in that situation. And many of you may be at that limit. And, you, and if you live at that limit for multiple years, you will begin to have a whole series of things that will happen to you. I mean, from the bad side to depression, to anxiety, to debt, to misleading people and lying about your financial position to your spouse, uh, to overspending, to uh, virtual Hail Marys, you know, like if I just buy this piece of equipment, I think the practice, if I just go to learn this technique, these are all Hail Marys, like one after another that do not actually produce fruit or grow the business. So the good news for you is there is hope. So let me walk through a little bit of giving you a little bit of that history. Let me walk through and introduce you to the structure. And then what we'll do in episodes of this podcast is we will be coming back. We'll probably give you a little reminder of the structure and then we'll, shall we say, attack them in rotation. So, I'll lay them out, but we will address them in rotation. So, and remember, when I tell you this formula, it's important that you understand the context of how I got it. Over 30 years, thousands of doctors actually moving them through this process and then watching their behavior. And so this wasn't something that I started out knowing this formula. I started out with the first section of it. Then I would get them to grow to a certain point, And then I would discover the second section and the third section. And it's very important you understand. For instance, a lot of the clients I've had over the years weren't willing to go to the next section. So you will find, you know, some people, they just want to move out of the box they're in into the next small box. So that's free will. That's always your choice. But what I'm going to lay out for you is literally the path to continuous growth. Now you might say, and, and remember this, if disruption is when business people come into your industry, which is what's happening, then what you want to do is actually innovation would be the idea of you switching over and you basically saying, hey, I'm actually going to initiate this change by choice. Now, remember, when you're busy with patients all day long, many of you don't have the energy to do that, which is why I'm suggesting that there may be other people around you who, if you could get them on the same path, that that would create the energy. So what I have discovered is, for instance, we do events where we bring people in and you can come and we'll spend a day with you and we'll map this out for you. And if you think about that, you don't want to do that by yourself. You want to do that with people who actually have the, you want them to change as well. And unfortunately for you, many of you have told these people what is in, in created what we call a false reality. You have created a false ceiling on your practice and you are actually continuing to sort of propagate that or to sell that or to, you know, you pay people and then you convince them that the practice can't change. 
Now, if you step in the outside world, by the way, and I think there is something to learn by this. When I tell people I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, I, I go by many titles, right? So people have called me a millionaire maker because I make doctors rich, essentially. I'm going to like the doctor to doctors, right? Uh, you know, they have a thing called the dog whisperer. I, I kind of know how to whisper to doctors, right? And part of it is I've been pretty successful in life, so I probably have more money than you do. I probably have a bigger business. And I'm not saying any just to brag, but for many of you, your egos could be so inflated that other people will not tell you the truth. There is not a person listening to this that I would be intimidated by, okay? And I'm not intimidated by your credentials. I've been dealing with doctors a long time. I know the truth. And so what I do want you to understand, and I've made a living not putting up with your crap. In other words, I don't need your money. I don't need you as a client. I lose clients all the time by choice if they have too big of an ego because I don't want clients who don't want to be advised. One of the rules in life, if you are not being coached, if you are not being guided, there is basically no way you can guide someone else, which is why the teams in most doctor's offices are beyond miserable. And most doctors have no ideal of that because it's been hidden from them. So when you look at patient surveys about going to the doctor, they're not good. We have performed literally hundreds of thousands, right, of calls into offices to see what happens when you go into the point of entry. We have sent, with the permission of clients, right, done this, people into offices with video cameras to experience what occurred. People said, oh, I don't believe it. So I said, okay, fine, I'll send a person in with a camera. I mean, and so we have studied and studied and studied what the patient really wants and the doctor thinks they just want clinical skills, but it turns out that's wrong. So again, what I want you to understand is, do you want this practice to be about what you want or do you want it to be about what the patient wants? And listen, we can't transform a practice with a person who really just wants what they want. And that's what we find most people do. So now let me, let's talk about the first step. And the first step is creating this vision. I mean, look, these are pretty fundamental rules. If you look at the way transformation occurs, it is you must have a vision. So to give you an example, later today, I would like to transform some of the property around our world headquarters. We have a lovely building. And so I will have a landscape architect come to my office. We will meet. I will explain my vision, and they will put that vision in writing. Then I will take that vision, and I will hand it to a contractor, and that contractor will do what is in writing. So when you think about that, you say, okay, well, I understand that. I get that. It would be like if you've ever seen a beautiful home, a beautiful home goes through that process. But the problem is beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So I've seen some very ugly houses. I don't think anyone set out to make an ugly house. They just set out to do it wrong. So maybe they were too cheap to hire an architect. So they bought the plans off of plans.com or they, the builder told them, well, I'll just make the plans for you. And the next thing you know, you have a house that's really kind of terrible looking. 
And then the difference between a house that an, a good architect has designed versus one that the builder designed is very dramatic, okay? So if you think about your practice, right, you've got to be willing, it's possible that you don't have the vision. And I'm saying that from personal experience. I'm saying that I believe that the path you're on has blinded you from creating that vision. Now, the example I'm sharing, what I want you to understand is I have vision about what I want, but I don't have the skill to put it in an architectural or a contractual document that I can then hold a builder to. So it actually requires three things. So if you think about this, if you want to have a new vision for your practice, it is highly possible and probable that you can't see it. That's why I've decided to do this podcast because I'm in the business of helping doctors create a new vision. And so again, if I said to you today, if we were sitting face to face and I said, well, share with me your vision, I'm going to tell you it's not a vision. And I have done this a thousand times or more with doctors and I've listened to their response and they say things like this, well, we just want to have a great practice that takes care of its patients. And it's like, okay, let me help you with that's not a vision. That, okay, again, every doctor should want to take good care of their patients to give that. That should be a given. But the question is, how do you grow a practice? How, so let's walk through and, and what I'll do today is I'll show you some of these pieces. And, and we start with, you got to have a vision of what you want. And so let me kind of put it in a nutshell for you. It's revenue oriented or collections oriented. So there's a number, by the way, which you ought to go look at. Maybe go back to 2019. Look at what you collected. So I'm just going to write down a number. And let's say a doctor collect their practice did $1 million. Okay, fine. So most doctors, by the way, don't even know what they net. So if I say to most doctors, I say, what do you collect? What's your net? What's your margin? So if their take-home pay was 250, it's 25%. Most doctors don't know those numbers. And if I said to most people, I said, well, what do you want to do next year? The doctor who does a million will say something like this. Well, I guess we want to do about a million one, seven, five, maybe. Mm, or maybe a million two. That is not a vision for a practice. That is an incremental increase. A vision for a practice is something like this. So for instance, our highest level, it's actually not our highest level, but a level that I have been working on for the last eight years is something called 5X. And so a doctor, and I'm not suggesting you, by the way, should be in 5X. Most likely you are not ready for that. But most of the people who got into 5X had been with me for a number of years and all of a sudden I showed them, well, here's a vision for your practice and they said, I want that vision. And so I created basically a, I don't want to call it a cookie cutter vision because that's not what it is, but a vision that could be adapted to a practice. So there are thousands of doctors who have been through that program and we created a vision which is to take the practice five times. So if you had a million dollar practice, here's 5X. Let's take your revenue to 5 million. Now, we do have to fill that in with a plan, right? 
But most doctors are thinking about small incremental growth and they're outspending and their, their expenses are rising and their controls are less and their margins are shrinking. So they're working really hard, lots of hours, and not a lot, of, you know, not a lot left behind. And so we've not only taken it, you know, over the years, and the reason why I'm able to do this is because of the depth of the relationships I had with clients, I had gone and I never take what you say as reality. I actually know, I, most of my relationships, we've gone to the level of, I know what they have in the bank. And so I'm not suggesting that you and I need to start there. I'm suggesting I can put some money in your bank account if you listen to me. But by the depth of that relationship, basically what I have is I have data on what a doctor collects, how long they've been in practice, and then we took it even to the next step, which is what is the doctor's actual net worth on a personal basis? Because if you actually take a minute and stop and think about this podcast, why do you want to grow your, why do, why do you want to grow your practice? And a lot of you weren't comfortable to say it, but what you re the reason why most people want to grow their business is that they want to serve more patients, which is logical. If you were a great doctor, why wouldn't you want to have more patients be seen in your practice? I mean, that's, that's one of my favorites about the doctor who's like, I want to stay small. I kind of restate it. I say, so you don't want to help a lot of people. <laughs> and they go, well, no, I just want to help them in quality. So I said, you just want to help a few people and you think you're better than everybody else? And the next thing you know, they're kind of a little dumbfounded, right? They're tongue-tied. They're like, well, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. If something was great, if you're great, okay, if you're a great doctor, you want to know something? You should duplicate that skill. And the more people, right, the more people who learn it, the better. So am I doing this podcast because I'm bad at what I do? Absolutely not. I'm really good. And I have the evidence to prove it. And so I know how to take a doctor with no vision, if they want it, okay, not everybody's coachable, so you gotta remember this, you gotta be coachable. And go ahead right now and ask yourself the question, are you being coached? And if you say, well, I do continuing education, the answer is you're being coached in how to be a better clinician, and that does not transfer necessarily to growing your practice. It may have a little effect, but nothing significant, okay? So you shift, and make a decision. So very early on, I realized this. There are two types of doctors. One, first of all, almost none of them really know how to grow the practice. And if you think you do, you're probably going to hit a ceiling soon. Okay? And that's okay. But if you think about this, it's about if I looked in your head and made a pie chart of where your attention is going, most doctors, because they're following the wrong example, their associations and industries don't really know how to grow, that the actual, your focus is on the wrong thing. And when you shift the focus over to the things I'm going to talk about, you will just literally generate a different result. But you have to recontextualize that. So I'm a big believer in CE. I'm a big believer that you should keep a valid license. 
But I'm also a big believer that you can hire people and you can train them and then they can do the work and there can be duplication. And we'll, we'll talk through that. But many doctors don't even have the confidence. They say, I'm a great doctor. We do great work and my staff is great. Do you know, I've never met a doctor with a crappy practice who actually, when I said, is your, is your practice crappy? that said yes. They all think they have great teams. They all think they're great doctors. I've never met a person who will actually admit that they actually have a team that's not, that's bad. So I appreciate you being with us. We will look forward to having you back on and we will be talking about how you, not anybody else, but you can grow your practice. Have a great day.